Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome back to Provincial Geographic, where today we're examining the rare guy who doesn't fuck in his natural environment. Happy hour. Wow, aren't you an absolute tenor, eh? Yeah, my name's Paul, but the boys call me Metters because I got these magic mats. I'll have to show you later. What are you drinking? Vodka Sosos? Yeah, we call that shit water in the pack shack. Pack shack? Yeah, it's what the fellas call the condo. We're on the 50th floor. There's seven of us in a two-bedroom, but they're cool to watch, so we can sauce it up in the dead, no biggie. Got your girls here? How many of them you sauce in a little lip action to? Love to watch. Three's company, you know? Come on, I'm just messing with you. Seem like a pylon. I'm hunting big game, so I'm gonna hit some roly-poly nosies with Jonesy, and if you're lucky, you'll swing back around. A wonder of nature. Truly inspired. I just got to say off the top, Alex, just bless your soul for the inspiration this week. Love it. Who doesn't, who doesn't love a good nickname? You sure there wasn't uh, any projection happening there, uh, Morsey? It's a bit of an accusation. Um, do you remember who gave us that nickname? The grade, th- yeah, the grade, grade three, three gym, gym teacher. teacher. Yeah, back in um, Perth Road there. Do you remember his name? No, absolutely not. I, I appreciate the guy endlessly, though. The start of something beautiful. Oh, indeed. Morsey to the grave. And, and by the way, like, I mean, there's nothing wrong with a little, like, stereotypical kind of barn-burning talk. Just, you know, if you're going to go there, just bring a little bit of that authenticity, a little bit of respect with you, and you're, you're good to go. No, it's, it's very well said. Uh, make sure you guys give uh, the amazing Alex a follow on Instagram, at AlexKV. That's A-L-E-K-S-K-V. Uh, she's been a big part of the Life's Rec community now, uh, and we can't thank her enough for her support. Uh, and if you are listening to this and you're like, you know what? I'd really love for this idea, this brilliant idea that I've just kind of cooked up in the old melon to be an intro skit on the podcast. Well, like it's your lucky day because all you have to do is follow us at Life's Rec Podcast uh, and at Morzy with three Y's because you just wanted to drag it on as long as possible. Uh, and reply to the question box on our story the Tuesday leading up to the podcast. Uh, lately, you guys have been just on it. Like, I love seeing the shit that you guys are coming up with because it's just 
Like this one was just priceless. Like I, I laughed for a solid five minutes. No, this this out. week was especially there was a lot of good ones. Um, I'm excited for next next episode too. Uh, we're we're lucky to have you guys in our community. Um, I think that that's just like something we were reminded of with all of these uh, suggestions. Uh, and we're lucky to be a part of a lot of different communities, like the community that we were introduced to through the partner of this episode. Tether. We've been working with Tether now for a while, uh, and, and it's this really incredible social media platform for men who are basically going through mental health challenges. Um, and it's men from around the world who have just come together to support each other. Like, it, it's incredible. Uh, I, I'm very fortunate that we found them uh, or they found us. I can't really remember exactly how it happened. Um, but Tether is now like it's available to download in the App Store or Google Play Store today. So I, I very much encourage you guys download it, start connecting and just uh, try it out for yourselves. I, I do not think that you'll regret it for sure. Tether promo really reminds me of this episode because of like the importance that men talking about mental health has just connecting with each other. Yeah. And for those of you who just like decided you weren't going to read the title uh, of this episode, first of all, keep up. I mean, like we can't, we can't like just be playing checkers. But here. this week on the podcast, um, I feel like this is like the best way to describe him. Uh, if we want to get him back on the podcast, and we absolutely do. Uh, he's one of the most polarizing sport media personalities in Canadian history. Truly, one of our most, really one of our most important natural resources. You know, and just an all around like I, I, I don't think you can call him anything less than a national treasure. Michael Landsberg. Un- dude unreal chat oh though. one of my favorite like, interviews unreal by far chat. um because not only did like you know i got to interview not michael fair. which fair was all. obviously incredible but you know then he interviewed me for a few questions and so like for me the degrees of separation between people like myself and like Sidney crosby obechkin those kind of guys like it's it's just gradually getting smaller which is just yeah you know, it's funny because, like, everything comes full circle. Um, like we talked about in the episode, and I love this. Uh, when Michael and I met for the first time, my old boss at Uninterrupted Canada, Scott Moore. Oh, great guy. Uh, he introduced us, and Michael asked about the podcast. I told him, like, you know, this is Life's Wreck is what we've been doing for a little bit. Told him a little bit about myself. Said, like, I have anxiety and OCD. And Michael looked me dead in the eye. Kitty's, like, never met before. And just goes, like, oh, so you're a loser. Fucking hilarious. Dude, I went home that night and was just, like... I'm a loser, and that's probably the nicest compliment I've ever gotten. Uh, and then, like, a, a little over a year later, that, you know, Michael let that loser interview him. So, I mean, I'm not going to say it, but, like, a couple of losers. Yeah, a couple yeah. of losers, exactly. Um, this is a really open talk about depression, breaking the stigma, and medication. So, it brings me a ton of joy to welcome Michael to the podcast. Michael, how are you doing? Yeah, it's funny that you asked that question because uh, I get asked that question very seldom, but I ask it very often. Uh, and I, I, you know, it, it's there's a way that I, I try to phrase it, and I'll do it for myself. And the question that I ask people is, if you had to live the rest of your life the way you feel, not, not today, right? Because you can have a bad day. I have bad days, right? But just in general, if you were to look at your life the last month, the last two months, how you feel, if someone said you have to live that way the rest of your life, would mm-hmm. you be satisfied? Mm. Um, And I think the answer to that is hugely relevant. You can't go on a daily basis or a weekly basis, but just in general, are you in a place where you could go? Yeah, you know, it's not perfect. 
If it was perfect, I probably wouldn't be asking you that question. Right. But are you satisfied with where you are? So to answer your question, I'm I'm satisfied with where I am. You know, it's it's not perfect, but perfect is is not an option for me. So I'll take it. I would take how I feel today um, with my lowered bar expectation. Uh, mm. I would take it for the rest of my life. I think what I what I love about that is you hit on probably about five separate points in there that I would love to dive in on each one. I of was going to say, I hit on so many points that we're done, right? Yeah. I think that thanks. that's, that's the episode. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> thanks for joining us. Uh, just play back that episode 20 times and you get 20 <laughs> different messages. Plus I was blinking in uh, Morse code. So, oh, okay. So I'm then we have like, there's another layer that I have to get into after another layer premium exactly. content. This is the stuff that subscribers will, will pay for. I like that. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, is it fans only? Is, is that what is that only what, fans? Uh, yeah. Only fans. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Life's a wreck. So here's an OnlyFans. Yeah. Oh, um, hold on one sec. Yeah. yeah, yeah just no worries. To, you know, to enhance the uh, OnlyFans. Yeah. The um, bite of the lip. <laughs> okay. You really go got to play into it. Um, yeah. I, I was going to say, like, the, the speaking of that expectation, that lowered bar of expectation, how has that expectation changed for you over these past, I mean, y- your whole life? Because I know for me personally, I had this expectation where perfection was the bar. It was like, this is what you should be hitting. Everyone around you seems to be just perfect. You know, they, even if they, they mess up, it doesn't bother them like it bothers me. So I'm curious how your expectations, how that's played a role in your life. Well, I I would say that for me, talking specifically about depression, Mm -hmm. that my expectations uh, have been uh, lowered. And I think I've been adjusting them and learning what's realistic for the last 20 years, but in particular, the the last 10 years, since I've been on the same combination of meds that I'm on right now, uh, I, I would say that my expectation, you know, has fallen into this groove, which is, you know, it's not perfect. And, mm-hmm. but, but also, you know, I, there's an acceptance for me of the side effects from the medication that are all part of the expectation. I mean, I, I it, it, if the bar, if I was to set the bar up here, as opposed to down here, where it is, when I say right. down here, I don't mean like down here, yeah, yeah, but yeah. like here, uh, if I was to, if I was to say, okay, well, let's get that bar up where your expectation is sort of at a max level. One of the things I'd have to do is go off the medication because the mm. side effects for the medication, the numbing effect that they have on me means that I lower my expectation on, on what I can expect in my life when it comes to um, my, my, just my overall mental health. Yeah. And if I was to do that, if I was to go off the meds and get rid of the side effects, then I run the risk of relapsing with depression. Yeah. So I, I kind of found this, this sweeter spot, not sweet spot, but mm-hmm. reasonably sweet spot uh, between uh, uh, the medication and the side effects and, and the illness itself. So uh, I've, I've learned where to put the bar and I can accept a bad day, two bad days. I can accept five bad days in a month. That mm-hmm. typically is what I experience. Yeah. And you can and track I can, of that, right? I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah. So, so it's uh you know, I, I think that bar, the idea of the bar is a really important. It's probably quite controversial because people would say, you know, you should never lower the bar. But, you know, the goal obviously is to is to be cured of mental illness when you right. go into treatment of any kind. But that's also not realistic. And sometimes you have to celebrate the fact that you're fighting, mm. right? You know, I, I, I've used this phrase before. I win because I choose to fight. So even though I might wake up and I'm having a bad day, the fact that I got up, did my job, went about my business mm-hmm. is 
is a victory. And if you only celebrate victory as in I'm cured, then you're liable to be very disappointed, but also getting there is a lot tougher because you need to celebrate victories along the way. Mm -hmm. How do you celebrate your victories? Um, mostly internally, you know, I, I, you know, I, I, I don't tend to express them, but, you know, I celebrate, uh, a, a day when I'm struggling, when my, my desire, my predisposition would be to, uh, to, um, disappear from the world. Right, I, yeah. I, I don't, I don't mean take my life. I mean, disappear where, you know, lie on the couch and not have conversations with people and yeah. to, to really retreat. And when I don't do that on a bad day, I, I tell myself, Hey, you know, good for you, Michael, you should mm-hmm. be commended because you didn't take the easy route. And the easy route would have been to, to uh, basically um, opt out of everything. Yeah. And it blows my mind. The fact that so many people will, will take that harder route, will decide to show up and fight, but they never give themselves the credit. I didn't give myself the credit for, for years. Cause it was just like, it stemmed from a lot of that. This is just what should be done. This isn't necessarily. Yeah, for sure. You know what it is? It's, it's the fact that where the bar is for you mm-hmm. has to be different uh, because of your mental health challenge has to be different than someone who doesn't have that. And if the bar for you is low enough that you can celebrate getting over it based on some things that other people would laugh at, right? You know, it's like this, you know, I say proud of the shower. Sometimes you got to be proud that you took a shower. And, you know, somebody who is mentally healthy is not going to go into work and say, oh, my God, I'm so pleased with myself. I took a shower today. Right. (laughs) So, so, you know, the bar in general in life has got to be in different places. But I think we in particular need to acknowledge the fact that the bar is not where we'd like it to be but Mm -hmm. you know otherwise everything's a failure right if you Mm -hmm. if if you hit get hit by severe depression for instance and you know uh you had had the bar in a place of uh you know that was you know maximum height before Mm -hmm. that if you don't adjust your expectations and what you celebrate in your life you are always going to be disappointed because you're never going to get to that same place again unless you get cured of your illness and most of us don't get cured yeah, well, and, and that's even the thing, too, is this idea of that the perfection doesn't exist, that it's just this thing that we've created in our lives that we think is this this thing that we need to strive for. But the idea of perfection doesn't matter if you're mentally healthy, mentally unhealthy, whatever, it just doesn't, it's not there, it doesn't exist. So when people set that bar, and I've done it in my own life, set that bar at perfection, I think it just pigeonholes yourself, like you said, to this this life of just constantly being like, I'm just missing it. Kind of like you're trying to touch the rim of a basketball net. You just keep missing it. And you're like, man, I'm right there. I'm right there. Oh, and then I feel pretty about myself. Yeah, it's true. I, you know, I think in a lot of ways, what it comes down to, uh, and, and you said something I think is really important is that, you know, you will celebrate with other people and their victories, you know, mm-hmm. you would say to them, hey, you know, I know you've been struggling, I know your depression is bad. And the fact that, you know, that you haven't missed a day of work, or the mm-hmm. fact that you've done this or that, you would celebrate with them, and you would pat them on the back. But would you do the same for you? And the answer almost always is no. Absolutely. And uh, do you know the golden rule? You know, the golden rule that you, you, your, your parents probably told you, unless they were terrible parents, maybe they didn't tell you. I mean, I, I don't know, but um, the golden rule. Is it rule, like the, the treat others the way you'd like to be treated? Is that? Yes. That all is right. exactly hey, mom and dad, it. So, not bad. 
Yeah. So um, the golden rule is uh, is something that we all know. I mean, I asked you that question and everybody knows it. Yeah. You know, do unto others as you wish done unto you. Mm-hmm. So I think that that um, we have we have that backwards when it comes to mental health. And I tell people that our golden rule is do unto you mm-hmm. as you have done unto others right. because you have been there for them, because you have supported them, because you have celebrated their victories under you know getting over a lower bar but mm-hmm. you've never done that for yourself it's so much easier to be so much kinder and understanding of others than it is of ourselves and if you continue with that then your self-esteem takes a beating every single day and it's not as easy as i'm making it sound right where you decide oh okay i'm gonna you know i'm gonna be- celebrate my victories today i mean yeah. the illness prevents us from uh, from um, acting normally to our own achievements because of our self-esteem loss because of the illness. But mm-hmm. when you're aware of that it's happening, you have a better chance of dealing with it. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is like, why would I ever celebrate somebody that I hate? And I think that that for years of my life, if somebody if somebody who treated me like absolute garbage made an accomplishment, the last thing I'm going to do is just be like, oh, yeah, congratulations. Good job. And that was me for a, a bunch of years. So I think that there is that element of like, you see somebody else doing it and you're like, wow, that's, that's just incredible. And then you see yourself do it and you're like, oh, look at what this scumbag just achieved. Good for him. I don't give a, I don't give a. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's really well put. It's, it, you know, the difference between how we see every other person on the face of the earth and ourselves is pretty stark, right? You know, there's 7 billion people on the planet and, uh, um, the, the, I mean, it's kind of an unrealistic argument, but you get the point, you know, everyone in our life, we would treat a certain way and see a certain way, Mm -hmm. uh, except for one, and that would be ourselves. Yeah. When did you realize that the relationship with yourself wasn't normal? And I'm using quotation fingers here. I I would say for sure it was uh, when we started off the record and I uh, experienced my first battle with, uh, with severe depression. And it was the loss of self-esteem that I experienced at that time that I think for the first time in my life, I didn't have the same confidence uh, that I had had, um, especially in the previous, say, you know, 15 years since I started my career, you know, I developed this, this confidence because I worked really hard and I knew that I had prepared myself to do the things that I would have to do, that I had total confidence on a TV set, that there was nothing that I couldn't handle. I mean, that's not the same as saying that, you know, I had total confidence that I could do it better than anyone, Mm -hmm. but I was in control because I had this belief in myself. And then all of a sudden the illness takes it away. And now um, I'm still acting the same way. I'm still pretending to people (laughs) that I have it all going and that, you know, it's all good, but Mm -hmm. you know, I, I didn't have the same belief in myself at all. I would look into the camera and think, God, you know, I'm, I'm just, uh, you know, I'm terrible today, you know, and you know, everyone's going to see it and everyone's going to know it. Mm -hmm. So I, I think for me, that was the start of the, um, the effect on, on confidence and Mm self-esteem and ego that everyone experiences. Did you experience that? Oh yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Everyone though. See here, here's the fascinating thing about it that I have learned from giving all the talks, you know, that I've given and asking people the question, uh, you know, how many people, uh, I mean, obviously it's not face to face now, but how many people, you know, in a, in a room of 200 or, or on uh, virtually up mm-hmm. to 200 people, 
you know, how many people have battled depression? Mm-hmm. And you typically, you, you know, you might get, well, if, if people are there to hear me speak because they signed up because of mental health, then obviously right. there's way more people in the audience than, you know, last week I did something to TD Securities. Right. So this is right. just the employees yeah. that um, that didn't sign up for this. That I mean, maybe they did. I like to think they did. They probably mm-hmm. were told they had to be there. But uh, that that group of people obviously is is you know more of uh, a sampling of our society. But however mm-hmm. many people put up their hands, let's say you know there's 50 people uh, in whatever setting, and I say, okay, I'm going to tell you what depression, what mental illness feels like to me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you four things and I want to know if you've experienced all four of them. And I'm going to tell you in advance, I believe you have mm-hmm. because no one has ever said, no, not me. So when I tell right. you one of these four symptoms, if you haven't been through it, put up your hand, right? It's not yeah. like I'm going to be mad. I want to know. Mm-hmm. And I've gone through those four and no one has ever put up their hand. Everybody uh, loss of the ability to experience joy, first and foremost, that no matter what happens, you can't feel it. And yeah. and people, people mistake that for, oh, you know, I have a terrible life and there's nothing good in my life. That's not the same thing mm-hmm. as being unable to feel joy. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, I mean, you can go through a bad time, pandemic, you know, you lose your job and, um, you know, maybe, you know, you've lost family members and you say, okay, well, you know, I'm living a joyless existence. Yeah. But if uh, if you got your job back, would you feel joy? And if the answer is yes, that's not the same depression I'm talking about. Yeah. So that's the first thing. Second thing is loss of self-esteem. We already talked about. Third yep. thing, especially at the beginning, is the sense of loneliness, this feeling that nobody no, nobody else understands me. You yeah. know, I'm like, uh, I'm, I'm on my own on this, yeah. right? Because many of us feel it because we think we're to blame for our own illness, right? So why would somebody Get else feel something that I'm to blame for? Like, yeah. they're not living in my head. And then there's... There's this sense of hopelessness, this, oh my God, I'm, you know, I'm destined to be this way for the rest of my life. Right. And we all feel that way. But all of a sudden, when you realize that this guy speaking to you uh, is, has just said the four things that are going on in your head, all of a sudden now, you know, I'm not a big believer in using the term, you're never alone. I mean, on, on one hand, it's good, but on the other hand, it's it's kind of it's kind of bullshit because we are alone to, at a certain level. Yeah, you know, like like no one's no one's no one's helping you fight. You know, uh, they can. Uh, uh, you know, the analogy I draw is if I if I had cancer and I was going for chemotherapy, and you said to me, "Hey, I'll come sit with you. I don't want you to be alone." That yeah. would be that would be great, but I'd mm. still be battling, you know, my own brain and the side effects and the, you know, I'm feeling sick on my own. Yeah, you can't fight. share that with me. Yeah. So I, you know, I I think that what you can best hope to do uh, in doing what you do and doing what I do is mm. have people feel understood, mm. uh, and that's a great way to address totally. the idea of loneliness because I found that it's not. You know, being lonely is not the number of people around you. It's the number of people who understand you. And you can be at a family function for 75 people and you can, you can, you can feel all alone, right? Oh my God, nobody here understands me. You know, like, I feel Mm -hmm. like, you know, no one, no one could ever make me feel like I was understood. And then, you know, so that's 75 people. But if, if there's one person at that party, you know, who says to you, Hey, you know, how you doing? You know, I, mm-hmm. I know that you had some problems and you go, well, you know, I've been, you know, it's been a tough time. And they go, yeah, you know what? Me too. I've been going mm-hmm. through the same thing. All yeah. of a sudden now, you know, you're not alone because somebody understands you.
Yeah. And that's powerful coming from you too, because for years you have been talking to an audience of hundreds of thousands of people. Millions. Yeah. Tens of millions. Tens, hundreds of millions. You know what? My God, when I hit the billion mark, it is going to be a really special day. I really love that. Special. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of, that's why I, uh, I'm playing with this. I always have to have, I'm a fidgeter kind of thing. And, um, I, uh, the way that I celebrate my wins, uh, is by getting myself a bottle of champagne. And I keep the corks and I write the accomplishment on the bottom of the cork. And I've got a little collection of corks that I've got, uh, in my, in my closet to remind me of those, uh, uh of the wins. And it's so really do you drink cool. the champagne. Well, I mean, I'm, come on. I can't, I can't pour it down the drain. No, no, no. I mean, clearly, if you weren't interested in drinking it, then there would be a better way that, you know, to get a cork, for instance, that right. <laughs> you could find another place to, to to write it than buying a bottle of champagne and pouring it down the drain. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I, I think that that's a really important thing to instill in people is mm-hmm. the idea that, you know, you have to find things, your accomplishments can't be the same as, you know, the person works beside you, your accomplishments have to be based on, on the challenges that you have. Mm -hmm. So Michael, I got to ask, like, growing up, I grew up in a rural town in New Brunswick. Um, We never, ever talked about mental health. Never. It was one of those things that you heard about, you had one assembly a year where somebody would come in, you'd have this big assembly about suicide, it was somebody who had lost their child. And it was this very dark thing, they'd show a slideshow, and it would be very I often I couldn't even sit through the things because while I was going through high school, I was going through really bad mental health stuff. And I recognized myself in these stories and it was a little bit too overwhelming. Um, You are somebody who I I feel like this new generation is warming up to the idea of talking about mental health. um, But you are from this this environment that I would say working with um, off the record TSN, you know, in this sports centric male centric world where it's almost surprising to me. And I think it, it makes it even more inspiring to see you talk about this stuff. So I'm kind of curious, like why, like why'd you decide, Hey, listen, this is the platform. Like I'm going to, I'm going to start talking. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I, I agree with you uh, from the standpoint that I am uh, uh, a really good advocate for, yeah. for mental health talk. And I, I don't mean in the way I do it, but the fact that because of my job and because of the swagger that I have and because of the apparent confidence that I have on the surface, that you would look at me and say, not him, no yeah. way. And no, then you the would look guy. at me. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I I still hear that. Like, there's still people to this day who think I did it just so uh, people would like me, right? Like on television. <laughs> and I, I said, you know, that's... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for real, that's what, you know, that's what people, especially at the beginning thought. And I said, Hey, you can think that all you want, but very seldom in life do people make up mental illness. It's the Mm -hmm. kind of thing we actually hide as opposed to make it up. Yeah. So I, I I think that I'm a good, I'm a good person for that because I don't figure into, you know, like the profile of it. Uh, And second of all, the world that I come from for sure. And I, uh, you know, I made the choice. um, I, I would like to say, Okay, so you got two halves. You've got the, you know, Order of Canada nominee, I, I'm making this up, uh, half of me, which was, you know, 
I decided one day that I was going to take the pain in my life and I was going to put a purpose to it, mm. that I was going to open up to people and I could change their lives by my own stories of mental illness. Right. Um, you know, that sounds really good. But the truth is that uh, I just want to ask a good question. Uh, and we had a guest on off the record named Stefan Riche, who yep. was, uh, you know, a two time Stanley Cup champion. And just before I went to the green room, I read that he had battled depression in the 1990s. Like I can remember this article and it was like the last paragraph only by chance did I see it. And also only by chance was he on the show after I had had the worst year of my life when it came to depression. So I was kind of fueled by, yeah, you know, I, I don't, I, you know, I, I was, I was feeling good about myself and my illness. So I, I went down there and I said, Stefan, hey, can you step out of the green room for a second? I said, look, mm. you've never met me before. You don't owe me anything. Uh, I just want to know if it's OK if I ask you how you're doing with your depression. And he said, uh, well, I'd rather not talk about it because it's really painful. And I said, OK, hey, you know, I, I and I'm glad I asked you because I certainly don't want to cause you any pain. But yeah. if you'll talk about it, I'll talk about it. And he said, you? And I said, yeah, me. And he yeah. went, no way, not you. And, you know, it gets to the, you know, you don't look like that guy. So I told him, I said, look, you know, I know a little bit about your story. And you're the last person that should doubt whether a person that doesn't look like the right. person with depression has depression. So yeah. he said, okay, let's do it. So we went on the air, we talked for maybe two minutes. And I thought that was it. But what changed my life was the next day when we started getting responses from people. Uh, and they all basically said the same thing. Hey, Michael, watching you and Stefan Riche talk about depression on television mm -hmm. was the first time in my life I've seen two men sharing their mental illness without appearing to be shamed or embarrassed or weak. And because of that, I'm telling you something I've never told another person. I mean, that's what the, the, that's what every email said. I'm telling you something I've never told another person. I battled depression too. And because I heard you guys talking about it, I'm telling you now, and now I'm going to go get the help that I should have gotten five years ago Amazing. or 10 years ago. That so that's best? how, yeah. So I came to it though, yeah. um, you know, unintentionally. Right. Like, like I said, I, I, you know, I'd like to say, uh, you know, I just decided, and there's also the other part to it that is, um, this is incredibly easy for me. You know, like I know for Stefan, it, it's, it's difficult for him to do. Mm -hmm. uh, it changed his life too, uh, because, you know, he, he told me, you know, I walk through the airport and people come up and hug me. This is, you know, what he said. And, yeah. You know, it's like, oh, my gosh, that's amazing that the two of us had this experience. But for me, this is the easiest thing in the world. You know, like mm -hmm. I'll, I'll often say to this group of people in front of me, hey, how many of you think that uh, I'm courageous? And, you know, everybody puts up their hand and they say, look, you know, you didn't have much choice. Right. You <laughs> yeah, know, it, yeah, you know yeah. uh, but I believe that you think that. And, yeah. you know, it, it'd be kind of a dick move if I was going to say, yes, yes, I am. Yeah. I am courageous. For no, every one of you with your hand up, you're yeah. right. You're right. Yeah, and I'm yeah, sure yeah. you feel really good about being in the room with a courageous person like <laughs> right. me. But I say, no, no. So my point is that I'm telling you that you're wrong. This did yeah. not take any courage because I had no fear of it. I don't know why. It's not like I overcame the fear, but I never had it. So you, you know, to be courageous, you need to have fear that you've overcome and you put your fears to the side and said, I don't care what I'm afraid of. I'm going to swim out 
to the middle of um, that lake or 100 meters offshore. Mm -hmm. I'm petrified that that person that's drowning is going to drag me under, but I'm going to do it. That takes courage. That's a hero. For me, I'm just a guy who gets to use all of the assets in my life, you know, my ability to talk, the platforms that I've been given, the Mm -hmm. illness that I have, and the fact that I've always been open about the symptoms and the characteristics of it. Mm -hmm. I'm just uh, one of those people that kind of lucked into all those things. Yeah, that's funny. Why do you know why there wasn't fear? Because I I feel like I don't. Yeah, yeah. That's just very interesting to me. Because I mean, for me, I knew that when I talked, like when I first decided I was going to start this podcast, it was very much the okay, am I going to be alienated by my friends? Is my family going to be worried? And and am I going to feel like that burden? Like, are people going to start seeing me different? It was that element of like, I basically, it was kind of like this gun to my head ultimatum where it was like, okay, well, either I I start talking about my mental health or I'm not going to be here much longer. So I kind of had to, and and thankfully I was, you know, very well received and it's become this thing that's bigger than just me. But you know, I would think that somebody in your position, stereotypically, with everything that you had going on, that seems like a, a step off a cliff. Uh, you know, to others, it does. And yeah. for some, it has been too, right? Yeah. You know, uh, I was talking to a guy yesterday. And he said, uh, you know, I just heard a story. I just started talking to him about helping out on on uh, Sick Not Week. And mm. he said, uh you know, he was working and uh, he was working in a bank and he had to take time off for depression. Yep. And when he went back, basically his boss said, you know, you'll never be a leader in this company. You'll never be a senior. Um, like you want to be, you, you want, you want to run a certain division that'll never happen. If, if you can't take care of yourself, how are you going to take care of others? Right. And I thought, Oh my God, you know, like, like who, first of all, who would say that? Yeah, that's... You know what that's like? That's like saying to a person in front of you, you know, we, we don't hire black people, you yeah. know, or you won't be promoted. Like it, it's so absurd that someone would be so ignorant to think that that's okay to say. Yeah. But also my point is in, in his case, you know, being totally open, you know, has, has, you know, made his life more challenging. But for me, you know, I, I just, I think part of it is how you tell the story. And I think you tell the story of, you know, your mental illness by, first of all, you say it as strongly as you can. Because if, if you, if you talk like you, you know, I don't know why I get like this, you know, I have this great life and, you know, I have so many good things in my life and I, you know, I I don't know why I'm like this. That's weak, Mm -hmm. right? sounds like I'm blaming myself for my illness, but if it's like, Hey, I got this illness, you know, it's uh, I'm the victim here. I'm not apologizing for it. And uh, you need to accept it or not accept it. I could care less whether you do. I mean, I'm not suggesting you do that to your employer, right? but the tone (laughs) is what you do. Um, It's like, I don't care what you think, Um, you know, and, and people tend to, I think, accept it in that context more than they do if you're apologizing for somehow having this illness. That's a great, that's a great, great point. Because I think it's, yeah, it's so true. I think that the the more you come at it from a place of, I am not ashamed of this, the, yes. more, the more people look at it and go, oh, okay, well, if, he, if he's not ashamed of it, then, I mean, yeah. that just means that, that that for him is something that he is handling it's managing it's it doesn't it's not that shadow that he's carrying around that's like taking over his life he and the shadow are walking side by side and he's like yeah this is like the shit that i deal with but it doesn't change who i am these are two you know this is a separate entity that affects parts of my life but that's who that's who i am that's that's how it is how how, how can i ask you some questions oh, i would love that 
Yeah. Well, also, uh, what are you going to do? Say no. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, uh, you know, like I'm, I'm your guest. Yeah. So, um, try to keep the answers shorter than I, than I had them <laughs> uh, because, yeah, because I, I want to get background. So uh, yeah. how old are you? 22. Uh, and where are you right now? Uh, St. Stephen, New Brunswick. Okay. And what, uh, when did you first experience, um, something less than mental health? Um, I was probably five or six. I was a and really what, anxious child. Yeah, me too. I mean, yeah. my anxiety started when I was my earliest memories and my earliest memories would be not the same as yours, obviously, because they were longer ago for mm. me. Uh, and when was the first time that you went for help? Um, I had, I was going on a school trip over to Europe uh, and I had extreme claustrophobia. Uh, and so I went to a therapist when I was in grade seven, grade eight. For, for my claustrophobia. And that was the first thing that I ever went to a therapist for. And did you go on the trip? I did. Yeah. yeah. You see, I avoided trips. I, I avoided all kinds of things like that for a host of reasons, uh, a host of fears. Um, you know, there were no other reasons other than these fears that um, that I was never really too public about too. So mm-hmm. I had to had to make up lies and excuses. So uh, when was the first time that, was that the first time you went for treatment? Uh, yeah, that would have been the first time I went for treatment. Um, in terms of like, it was very specifically focused on claustrophobia though. Um, the first time I went for like overall mental health treatment, um, was grade, grade 11. Um, my mental health started to decline when I was in high school, like grade 10 and was just on this steady downslope. Um, and I basically hit a very rock bottom, um, area of my life in grade 11, grade 12. I was worried about university. I was worried about, um, just kind of like the trajectory that my life was on. I just thought that I was just this gigantic loser. Uh, and now I kind of own the fact that I'm a gigantic loser, but at the time it was something that I very much kind of fought. Uh, and so yeah, grade, grade 11 was the first time that I actually went and they said, this is more than just, okay. I've been trying to, I've been trying to have this conversation with my wife without actually saying (laughs) the words. Let's uh, so what were you saying, Kara? Do you know who I'm on with? It's what's his face. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, by the way, just j- just as a, an interjection case, Kyle, unbelievably good. Seriously, like you are such a mental health rock star. But keep in mind, I've lowered the Dude, bar. Thank you. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. We talked about that. Yeah, it doesn't take much. Yeah. No, but but uh, but you are. That's why I'm interested in your story. So, uh, Dude, have you ever you. been on meds? I'm on meds now. Yep. Yep. I, uh, I started at the very beginning of the pandemic. Um, I started working with a doctor at Ryerson where I was for school. Um, we had, we had met at the uninterrupted internship there that one time. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, so basically while I was doing that uninterrupted, when I met you for the first time, I was having a anxiety attack every two days. I was just in this incredibly dark place. Uh, and so I went to, uh, the people at Ryerson were really great. Um, they were the first people that I really trusted with the full extent of my mental health. So I went to them. Um, and one of the doctors who I still work with today, we've worked together for the past year and a bit. Um, he put me on meds at the start of the pandemic, 25 milligrams of Zoloft, which got kicked up to 50 milligrams of Zoloft, uh, which I take every and day now. Do you find that it's made a difference? It has emphatically changed my self-perception, which has allowed me to go in and do the work. It's quiet. It's kind of like, you know, when you're driving around and it's like really busy and you turn the radio down so you can focus more. Yeah. I feel like that's what Zoloft did for me. It turned the radio down so that I could actually go in and do the work. Nice. I like that. 
don't know if yeah. I like it enough to yeah. steal it, but I'm I'm, I'm going to weigh my options here. Uh, <laughs> All right, yeah, yeah. you've got uh, you got my permission if you want to take that. Uh, okay, so when wh- what are you doing now? Uh, I mean, a lot of this um, focusing on life's wreck and and the the brand and uh, taking care of myself for the first time in my life, which feels pretty good. Um, honoring where, what I kind of need within a moment and uh, running with that, doing a little bit of supply teaching as well, uh, which is great. Being able to have a little bit of an influence on that next generation is always a powerful thing. Um, and then, uh, yeah, a little serving on the side because everybody needs a little bit of extra spending money. Everybody does. Uh, and do yeah. you think you're good? You think you're a good voice for mental illness? Certainly hope so. I do okay. think so. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. Is uh, I mean, this is not the time for humility, right? You know, because I'm asking yeah. for a reason. So, uh, you know, it's it's like after I give a talk, uh, my family will say, "How'd you do?" And I'll say, "It's somebody for me to say, mm-hmm. right?" You know, that you'd mm-hmm. have to ask someone in the audience, and they'll go, yeah. "No, but really, how'd you do?" And I'll go, "Well, you know, I was fucking, I killed it, right?" You know, I was. I don't say that every yeah. time. Oh, dude. Like when I'm not when right. I'm not at my best, I'll say that. But so, yep. I mean, there is a time for honesty. So you, you, mm-hmm. you uh, because you are really good at this and you are a surprisingly you. young person to have this level of sophistication. And also, you know, you're from the East Coast and I thought people on the East Coast were always stupid. So that's a big thing too. I'm kidding. <laughs> Whoa. All right. Yeah, Interview's over. No, uh-uh, I can't no, deal I with just, this slander. Actually, I just told you that you were the only <laughs> smart person in, you know, in all of the maritime. Right. So you should take that as a compliment. Uh but uh, my listeners are just going to be you you think you got bad emails before oh my god yeah, here we go bring it on because uh, if you can't tell <laughs> that i'm joking then you are stupid right yeah, I got you. so it's like if, <laughs> yeah, if exactly. you send me an email and say oh you said a terrible thing about people in the east coast it's like uh case proven <laughs> yeah yeah exactly no it's true no honestly man like it's i i do think i'm a good advocate for for mental health and especially in my area like I have seen I have seen the impact of my work in my immediate area, and that's one of the most fulfilling things. I've seen people who I played high school football with, who are carpenters or plumbers, who have reached out to me and talked openly about their mental illness and have and have went for help because of it. Um, I've you know within like the the scope of New Brunswick, I've made a I've, I've made a difference, and that means the world to me. But yeah, no, I did my first ever keynote the other day for the Canadian Mental Health Association, um, forty minute keynote. And, uh, and I got off it and I was like, you know what? I fucking rocked that. That was 40 minutes of just pure unfiltered mental health talk. And it went extremely well and it was well received. And yeah, no, I, I do. I do. Yeah. Yes, sir. It's uh, yeah. it's a weird time. Uh, you know, to some extent, I mean, there's, it's much easier to do a, a, a speech. I, I think uh, it's harder virtually because you have, you have no energy to draw on, right? You're looking into this little mm. green light and you know, the, yeah. the tip that I would, would give you, and it sounds like you didn't need it, but is you got to be way more animated and way more energetic than you think you have to be uh, because mm-hmm. you know, everything around you kind of says flat, right? Like I'm sitting in the kitchen yeah. now in my house by myself and you know, where, where am I drawing energy from, you know, for that? So maybe that piece of art, that? it's pretty, it's pretty good. That piece of art's pretty good, though. Hey, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, if need be, next time I'm giving a talk, it'll, I'll just do this and go. Wow, I feel energized. But I think that the good thing about doing uh, something virtually 
is yeah. that people are anonymous and that can be really powerful. Like if you do a survey, yeah. uh, because a lot of platforms allow you to, to do surveys uh, and you say, mm -hmm. how many of you, have you been diagnosed with a mental illness like depression or anxiety? And if you ask that to 200 people in a room, uh, especially if, if they're not there because you're talking about mental health, if you're there because you're speaking to their company, um, then a yeah. lot of people will not will not say it, right? They don't want uh, people right. around them to know. But if you do it an anonymously, then uh, people are way more likely to be honest. I mean, I asked a question. I have never, I, I seldom ask this in person, but you know, I've asked this question virtually. How many have you ever had suicidal thoughts? Uh, and uh, whether you've acted on them or not is not relevant to what I'm asking now. But have you had those mm -hmm. thoughts? And I always thought, you know, if I asked that question in person, it'd be like 10%, 5%. But I've, I've found and sometimes as many as 60% of people have said it. And that like, wow. that shocked yeah. me. Like that was the, and, and that crazy? was an educational moment for me. It is, it is um, that beauty of uh, allowing people to control the, the level of, of which they want to be transparent is a really power. And that's why, like you said, the virtual thing is great because after my, uh, after my talk, um, we had a Q&A portion afterwards and there was, there was, I think probably about, there were 60, 61 people, 62 people in this call. Hold on, hold um, on. And was it 60, 61 or 62? I need to know. It's good. Sorry, six, 62. You, very, okay. very precisely very 62. Yeah, yeah. That, those extra yeah. two were, were the, kind of like that, F, raising the bar, right? Um, but, uh, but there was probably about five or six people afterwards who it was like anonymous submission. Thank you for this. This is something that like seeing you being a younger mental health advocate talking about this, I'm a young man. And I think that it's now time for me to see what I can do about my own mental health. And it was that level of like, I'm like, that's, I don't need to know your name. I just need to know that like, it just impacts me in a really incredible way to know that that little bit of me just kind of saying like, yeah, here's what I went through. Kind of here's how my life has went from rock bottom to sitting on a call talking to Michael Landsberg, Canadian legend, Michael Landsberg. I, you know, I, like, I thought we decided on icon. Sorry. Oh, you know, I knew it. I yeah. Knew and also it. you could add, you know, really a gift to all of Canada. <laughs> you know, one of our great blessings Canada's prodigal you know, one son. of our great blessings is uh, the Rocky Mountains and the beautiful Maritimes oh and uh, and Landsberg <laughs> and Michael yeah. Landsberg I love that man uh dude it, it's 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 true though I mean it's it is a uh, it is a pretty incredible thing to be able to have this kind of impact just by just by talking yeah and just by having these conversations it's is that not like it's profound to me to think that like just us hopping on this call and and us doing this very well could change someone's life. And to me, that is crazy. Yeah, I, I, I feel the same way. And I'm always shocked by getting that kind of reaction where someone reaches out and says, uh, I mean, I, I last week I gave uh, I gave talks to three different companies. Right. And afterwards, I always give out my email address and say, you know, yeah. message me if you want. And, you know, I'm always shocked to hear the effect that my story had on other people. And it's, you know, I mean, that's not boasting, right? As, as I say, and as you've proven, I say all the time, look, you know, I'm, I'm not unique. I'm not the only one who can do this, but, you know, I'm the one who's chosen to do this, that you have chosen to have speak to you. But I'm, I'm, but I know that if I can't impact your lives, then I failed, right? Because, you know, mm. sharing mental health 
as deeply as you can possibly do it. So you're going way beyond the surface. You know, it's one thing to say, I have depression. It's another thing to say, I have depression and it kills my self-esteem. And that's why it's hard yeah. for me to do my job. That's where the real value is. And, um, you know, I, I think that different people uh, can impact um, different people, if that makes sense. So you can impact people yeah. that I can't impact. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's the, that's the importance of storytelling, right? That's the importance of representation. The more people who are talking about this, the more people see that and go, holy shit, yeah. I'm not Yeah, alone. exactly. It isn't that, yeah. yeah, it isn't that a power. You know, I thing. can do that too. Or, hey, you know, I, I think that so much of this is when you're speaking to people uh, is, un, is convincing them that they need to share with, with someone to start mm -hmm. with. No one should keep this secret. Yeah. First of all, if you don't share with anyone, then you don't get help, right? I mean, can't help, you know, you can't prescribe medication or yeah. you can't do therapy for yourself. You need to share with someone. Yeah. And when you do, you need to share it with strength. I mean, you need to practice mm -hmm. it because you want them to see you as being strong. You want them, I mean, when you're speaking to CMHA and the uh, 82 people that you were talking to, uh, 62. 62. I kind of thought you were an 82 person guy, but you know, I, uh, I'm on my way. Don't worry. When you're speaking to the 62 people, uh, you have the ability to, um, to convince them by your tone that mm -hmm. they can do it. And it gets back to yeah. what I said before, you know, if you, if you talk, well, you know, I, I, you know, like that whole sort of tone of your voice, which is, you know, I'm, I'm not saying it loud because, you know, I, I just not accustomed to saying it loud and, you know, I'm, right. I'm I kind of don't know why I get like this, that, that is not going to convince anyone to share, but if you say it with strength and you say it, you know, whether you do this or not, you know, typically I don't do that, but in, you know, right. in certain groups I would, I'd, say, you know, this is me. My name is Michael Landsberg. I battle an illness called depression and anxiety. I'm not ashamed. I'm yeah. not embarrassed and I'm not weak. And if you think that this is self-inflicted, if you think this is your choice. Send them. Let's talk about Sick Week. Week. Uh, we got, uh, we got a little bit of time left and you have kind of coined the phrase and you and, and your, your family have coined this phrase, sick, not weak. It was pretty um, much all me. And yeah, it was pretty much all me. Yeah, fair, yeah. fair. I, I wanted to kind of try to spread well, the love a little bit. It's pretty funny because but... my daughter, uh, Casey, uh, works with me on, on the charity. But she, she, you know, I mean, she doesn't have, uh, you know, a ton of contact with people, right? That's kind of my job uh, in a lot of ways to mm. do that. And yet people will send notes as recently as like this morning. Hey, I just want to say thanks to you and Casey. And she's like laughing. She's going, I didn't do anything. And, you know, here I am getting right. thanks. <laughs> um, but I mean, uh, Sick Not Week is, uh, is a statement. The philosophy. You know, it's a philosophy. It's an argument. It's a demand. It's a rally cry. You know, it's, uh, um, you know, it's, it's a revolutionary. Uh, no, it's a revolution statement. I, I don't mean that it's revolutionary. Mm -hmm. But it's like mm -hmm. it's a million different things. And if people would embrace that, yeah. I believe the stigma comes totally from the idea that mental illness is a weakness, that somehow, yeah. you know, 100%. it's a choice, unlike other illnesses, you know, you choose to, you know, um, you choose to have made yourself vulnerable. And because you're weak, you got hit by this illness. And if people saw yeah. it as, you know, as being, you know, cancer and diabetes and lupus and depression and, and you know, like if that list was all grouped together, there's slots yeah, in there. It yeah. would, uh, I think it would be very different. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it's funny because I, uh, yeah, the idea of weakness, it gets thrown around a lot, 
that that strength weakness you know we put people on this scale we go okay weeks over here strengths over here now where are we going to kind of like gauge you and uh and it's true like the more that you just really look at it and you go i didn't i didn't ask for my brain to reabsorb serotonin at a rate that then depletes my serotonin and then now i'm not happy or that i get anxious or anything like that like what do you think i woke up one day and was like oh you know what yeah. just the same way that i can move my arm up and down i'm just gonna like absolutely fry my serotonin receptors it just doesn't doesn't make any sense so once that that i i think it stems so much from education as well and education through empowerment and storytelling is just like where you, you just get people who are like oh that's lived experience that is somebody who's just saying like hey this idea that's been tossed around for so and carried this weight to it is actually this little balloon that you can kind of swat out of the way when you actually look at it as what it is which is a sickness of the most complicated organ in your entire body your brain and it's going to take some time and sometimes it's chronic the same way you can have Crohn's disease or something like that that is going to be persistent throughout your life it's just in a different part of your body so why are we looking at it differently it's yeah it's very it's interesting i think it's the world of mental health is a very intricate beautiful place it's very cool nicely said thank you thank you i appreciate it uh the last thing i want to ask you and and first of all i mean like i I, it it really does mean a a ton to me to be able to hop on this call with you um you are somebody who very much throughout my mental health journey i know you cured a million times and blah 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 you've had you've had an impact on on the work that's been done through life's wreck because seeing somebody who you know when i was at ryerson in sport media it was like you know yeah it was like michael landsberg this is like this is like the guy you know off the record he does that you know he does that thing and um sorry no i I was gonna say you know i i appreciate all of that but i think what you found out is that um anyone can do it Um, and not the same way, but you know, like, it's not like I do it the same way. Yeah. Well, and, and you couldn't do the same way as me and nor could I do it the same way as you. And I can't, you know, you can impact people that I can't impact and vice versa. Uh, and you know, the fact is that, um, I came by this by chance, by luck. And in a lot of ways it's provided me with as much as I provided it. That, you know, the whole, the whole act of sharing uh, in in the way that you and I have just shared, you know, with strength, Mm. uh, I think strengthens the sharer and for sure it makes a difference to the sherry. And I don't know if that made sense, but uh, it made sense in my head. So that's, and that's all that matters. It's good enough for me, but you know, we, uh, you know, we live at a time where these messages are needed. They shouldn't be, but they are. And um Sharing is contagious. The illness isn't, you know, you can't catch depression from someone, but you can sure mm-hmm. catch their confidence to share. Uh, and that's what, uh, that's what you do. And that's what I do. And, you know, there's something really, really cool about putting a purpose to your pain, getting to yeah. use the worst thing in your life is one of the best. It's true. You know, it's so funny. And I, I feel like this is one of those things where I've got this last question that I want to ask, but every time something comes up, I'm like, I have to, I have to speak. Yeah, on go. It. Yeah. Um, last night we were, uh, when I was, so the, this cork is celebrating uh, 10,000 downloads on the podcast, um, which is, you know, a big moment for, for me and my family and everybody who celebrated the, or supported the podcast. Um, and I was sitting on, uh, I was sitting on my deck last night around our fire pit, drinking this champagne with my, the, my best friend in the world. And, and I was saying, and I, and I, you know, there was a break in the conversation at one point I sat there and I was like, man, I have to be honest with you. Like, I'm really, really proud of myself. And he goes, dude, I'm really proud of you too. And I said, it's one of those things that like, 
you can always you can always make a, a podcast or a YouTube channel or something like that, and it does well. But when you take the absolute darkest, most like shitty parts of your life, and that's what you turn into the most impactful, powerful, and important part of your life, and it goes from that complete, it's like that complete seesaw opposite. I was like, that to me is is a, an accomplishment that I will never fully be able to like comprehend, but I will always appreciate. And and he was like, that's what it's all about, man. And and so yeah, hearing you say that, I very very much resonate. Yeah, it's not often you get to use the worst thing in your life as one of the best. No. Uh, and uh, so so I didn't understand what you said that you were celebrating. What were you celebrating? Uh, ten thousand podcast downloads. So the the podcast has been listened to ten thousand times. Amazing. And how many have you yeah. done? Uh, this is 50, 53. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's amazing. quite something. That's great. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, if, if you're ever wondering, uh, you know, uh, the, the whole idea of, of strength is really important and they, you know, even more important, obviously is the perception of weakness. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that's really effective to say in front of a crowd is to say, okay, you know, there's 200 of you out there and there's me up here. Um, which, who do you think is the strongest person in this room? And they'll always say you, I mean, first of all, it's obvious what you're talking about. Second of all, you, they don't know the same amount, obviously about other people, but also you're up there sharing your mental illness and people see that as a strength. So why Mm -hmm. is it in their lives? They see it as a weakness. Why am I strong in their Mm -hmm. week? And if you can convince people to think about that enough, um, you know, maybe you can change the way they see themselves. It's beautiful. It's very beautiful. How can people interact with your uh, with, with everything that you do? Sick Not Weak, um, your own personal work. You know, because uh, it's all it's all personal work. Yeah, um, I, you know, I, I would say uh, I'm on Twitter all the time at Hey Landsberg. Um, you know, we have a, uh, a Facebook page, we have a website which we're just redesigning and rebuilding, SickNotWeek.com, nice. and uh, I have uh, a website that I use to sort of tell a bit of my story as opposed to the Sick Not Week story, MichaelLandsberg.ca. So uh, there's, you know, like lots of ways to do it or don't do it. You know, it's like I, I, I always feel like, you know, I'm not big on promoting the charity um, because it, somehow it seems unseemly, even though, you know, I gain no benefit um, from the charity other than, you know, trying to use the worst thing in my life as one of the best. So that's yeah. how uh, that's how you can uh, you can track me down. Uh, I do a blog every day, the Daily Lands blog. And, uh, you know, if you like it, then go and watch the other 1800 that I've done since uh, November, since March the 10th, 2016. So, uh, yeah, I'll see you after watch those uh, 1800. Enjoy. Yeah, yeah. It, might, it might take yeah. <laughs> it might, might take a second or two. Um, the last question that I have to ask you is at the end of every episode. Um, and, and again, thank you so much for taking the time. Um, is that I like to give a challenge out to my listeners, something that they can implement their day, their week, their month, just anything that has personally helped you and that you think will help others. Uh, And so I think that you are one of the best people to ask for a challenge uh, to put forth for anybody who is listening to this episode when it comes out or in the future, whenever it may be. Um, Well, we're talking about people that may have a mental health challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Write yourself a note Uh, on a good day. Write yourself a note that says, dear me on a bad day. You know, I I, because you can predict what you'll be thinking on that bad day. Right. And, you know, all of us are worried that the bad day is going to continue and lead to two bad days. And if you're on medication, you're afraid the medication isn't working anymore. Uh, And if you've been through it 100 times, chances are on the 101st it's it's going to go away right if it does every single time so you write a note to yourself um hey sick michael 
you're full of shit if you think that you know that you're you're slipping. You go through this, you know, five times a month where you have a bad day, and do not make the assumption, as I know you are, that um, that tomorrow you're going to be even worse than today, and that you may think today that you're not good at anything, but you are actually good at some things, and here's what they are, and I think uh, that note can be uh, anywhere from irrelevant to life-saving. Michael Landsberg, Canadian icon, mental health advocate, just some loser with mental health issues, just like me. Exactly. Appreciate your time, man. Exactly. Thank you. Just a couple of losers, eh? No, like you said, full circle. I'll give you that. You love to see it. Oh, dude, great chat too. I'm telling you, there's something about talking uh, with other men about all of this. It's 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 nice. It's cool too because, like you said, you looked up to the way he opened up about his depression. Yeah, he definitely. Like you mentioned like, it, like over and over and over. Okay, I, I, I'm, I'm not done over and over and over again which was just awesome to hear all right i'm 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 you know enough of a professional here to to admit that i maybe indulged just a touch but uh you know enough of a criticism on my just class a interviewing skills um highlights let's uh, what do you got i'd say in terms of like actual content from the episode i really like that parallel between like the do on to others uh as you want done on yourself and mm-hmm. kind of flipping that back onto you because i feel like so many people when they're going and, and us included i mean like when we were really going through it um it was that idea of like uh you know everybody else deserves the best everybody else deserves the world and we deserve like so that that was really nice i i think like in terms of like the overall episode though like i i just love i adore how much this man cares like i i mean the guy literally draws on himself how many bad like how many bad days he has so that he can keep keep track you know he does a a daily vlog to share his experiences with with people across canada like it's it's just it's he just gives a shit and i love that no it's so well said uh i I like when he called me a mental health rock star personally that was pretty uh, pretty cool don't do anything Um, guys check out michael on instagram and twitter at hey landsberg uh and make sure to follow at sick not weak on both socials as well uh michael and his family just do incredible work and are taking some serious strides in helping like honestly like fix the way that we look at mental illness uh and everyone here at life's rec we look forward to helping with that Um, this was just a great episode uh and i'm personally exhausted so if i'm exhausted we're the same person so you're exhausted uh so this our lovely listeners is where we leave you i couldn't agree more enchanté everyone thank you new yet (laughs) let's just stick with what we know okay just remember that even for somebody like michael landsberg Life's a wreck. See you guys in two weeks. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop 
dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 